Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. In last week's episode number 121, I had an incredible conversation with my friend, fellow interior designer, Rebecca Hay. If you haven't heard that episode, it is truly a must listen as we started out with structure, I promise, and immediately ran off all the rails talking as if no one else was listening. So it is truly an opportunity to hear seasoned designers talk all things about the industry that we love. And in keeping with that same theme, we did discuss building confidence in last week's episode. But today I wanted to share my journey building and then rebuilding my confidence in this industry. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Like I mentioned last week, Rebecca Hay and I discussed confidence. And frankly, whether we use that word or not, most of what we discussed boils down to having confidence, whether that means pricing your projects that shows your worth, whether it's taking on new projects that you think might be a stretch, whether it's hiring people, all of it does boil down to having the confidence to know that it will work. You may not know how it's going to work, but it will work. And so confidence has been on my mind ever since our conversation and my own confidence. And I mentioned it in the last episode where my confidence was severely broken midway through my career. And so I thought it was valuable to share with all of you listening because I fear listeners only see myself and Rebecca and seasoned designers like us as having always had confidence. And that frankly couldn't be further from the truth. And I don't know if my situation is unique or not, but I had all the confidence in the world until the day I didn't. I had to slowly build that back up, and it was not an enjoyable experience. So this morning, I took a look online, and obviously, we all know what confidence means, but I found it interesting to look up actual definitions, and they ran the gamut from the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something, or the state of feeling certain about the truth of something or a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. And then honestly, my favorite was confidence means feeling sure of yourself and your abilities, not in an arrogant way, but in a realistic, secure way. Confidence isn't about feeling superior to others. It's a quiet inner knowledge that you are capable. That one resonated the most with me, and I hope with a lot of you, because it isn't an arrogant feeling, and it shouldn't be an arrogant feeling. As I've always said, there really is no room for arrogance on a job site. 
but it is that quiet inner knowledge that you are capable. And frankly, perhaps it's a little too quiet on occasion because a lot of the designers that I talk to and we play out different scenarios on how to get through an issue, they have the confidence. They needed me to give them the A-OK. Yes, you're on the right path. You've got this. You had it all figured out. We just talked it through. So perhaps we need to tell our confidence to speak up a little louder. And I know mine needed to speak up a lot louder, in particular at a certain time in my career. So as many of you all know, I have only done interior design. And I can't tell you the why, other than I have amazing parents who completely gave in to all of my crazy and wild ideas on how to redecorate my bedroom, especially after my sister went to college because she's two years older than me and we shared a bedroom since we were seven and nine. So yes, when she went to college, I love my sister, but it was the best two years of my life because I had a room to myself. And we did it all. I had these like trapeze things to put a canopy over my bed. My mom let me change out the curtains and then change them again and then change them back. And she really did see that this was something I was interested in. My first job as a senior in high school was to work for a local interior designer. It really was something that was not a hobby. It was not a passing shot at some career that would never play out. And my mother had a cousin, Arnold Copper, actually Arnold Devigne Copper. Do you see the connection there? He was an interior designer in New York City all through the 70s and 80s. And in fact, was one of House Beautiful's top 100 designers at that time. I mean, he was really cool. And I liked him, sadly didn't see him enough. But when I did see him, of course, he encouraged me to continue my passion for interior design. And in fact, he was the one who said, you need to go to the New York School of Interior Design. And he wrote me a beautiful letter of recommendation, which I'm not even sure was required back then. But nonetheless, that's how passionate he was to support my goal of becoming an interior designer. And sadly, he died early and was not able to see me become an interior designer. But I know how proud he would be of what I have built and where my career has taken me. So I started graduate school right out of college. I was 22, moved to New York City. They didn't have dormitories. I had my own studio apartment. And let me tell you, I thought I was the bomb. I mean, living on my own in a studio apartment way up in the nosebleed sections in New York City at 90th and York, I really thought I'd hit it. But it was very intimidating to live in Manhattan by myself, going to a graduate program where I knew no one. So the friendships that I talk about from there really were born out of that, oh my God, we are in this together. We are all doe-eyed and scared but trying to be cool and hip and pretending we have it all together, right? So that is how that beautiful foundation of friendship that has lasted over 30 years began. Now, when you go to a school like New York School of Interior Design, in the mecca of the interior design industry, we were treated to everything and everyone. All the top designers came and spoke to our school. We had foots in the door of all of their firms for internships along the way. I mean, we really were treated as the next greatest thing. And that was important at the time because it was a lot of work going through design school. And for those of you who have done it, 
It's intimidating. I mean, I was handed a blank sheet of paper, white sheet of paper, and said, make a color wheel. And I said, great, where are the paints? And they said, here's your white paint, go. Now, having not been a big art major in high school, this was a really big challenge for me. And frankly, it's all about burnt umber, people. I mean, if you are laughing right now, you hear me and you know that countless nights are spent cursing, swearing, and crying, trying to make these projects come to life and pray to whatever design gods there are out there that you get the grade you need to move forward to the next class. So my career started on a high. Anyone who saw NYSID on my resume immediately took my call. doesn't mean I got all the jobs, trust me, but it really did launch me into the top tier firms of New York City. And I took full advantage of it. And then you lose your confidence again when you go into these firms and you're surrounded by these really talented people. And I was the lowest of the rungs on that ladder. And you just think, oh my God, I know nothing. And frankly, I really didn't know a whole lot. But I learned and I absorbed and I asked questions and I followed along and I asked more questions and then I asked even more questions. And there were setbacks all along the way. Trust me, there were jobs that didn't work out. There were firms that downsized while I was working with them. And of course, last man in, first man out. There was lots of that going back and forth until I became a senior designer at this wonderful, amazing preeminent Art Deco firm in New York City owned by Barbara. And for her privacy, I'm not going to give out her full name, but just know this woman was leagues ahead of her time as far as her designs. Now, I had worked for other designers in the past, mostly doing English country, French country. You know, it was in the late 90s. It was very, very popular at the time. And when I went to interview for this woman's job as senior designer, I thought, eh, Art Deco, how hard could it be? It's just shades of gray. Yeah, people, let me tell you, it's really hard to work in just a few shades of gray. There's no room for error the way there is in the layering effect of those other design aesthetics. For whatever reason, frankly, I'm not sure I had the chops to work for her, but Barbara saw something in me that obviously I didn't see in myself. And we took off running. I mean, we had the most amazing roster of clients. I mean, really, sometimes I do pinch myself and say, did that really happen? And I have talked about those projects in the past, so we will just gloss over them. But no, as far as a design firm, she would not take an initial meeting if the budget wasn't $250,000 or more. And we had clients, I kid you not, that would tell us they would spend $250,000 on their powder room to get in on our list of clients. And because I was her senior designer, she was billing me out at $295 an hour in 1997 and 98. I mean, insane. And she did actually have one client negotiate to pay her wholesale costs. So she doubled all of our hourly rates. And for some reason, the client agreed to that. And she's not sure they got the better end of the deal. But that's the kind of woman Barbara was. She knew her worth. She billed for it. And she was running a very successful design firm. And I spent every day taking full advantage of that. My confidence was at an all-time high. She was thrilled with my work. I loved the work we were doing. We were doing 
about 50% construction and decorating for every client. We were working in the finest buildings in Manhattan. There were no budgets to work within. So really, we could just design to whatever our dreams could come up with. It was really heady times in the 90s with budgets like that and clients who pretty much just handed us the keys and said, go for it. That is the kind of business that Barbara built. And I look back on it now and think, wow, I wish I'd asked her more questions about running a business. In late 1998, Barbara took me out to lunch, which was actually quite unexpected because we worked our asses off. So we didn't usually take a formal lunch. We typically ate in our conference room. And she told me that her plan was to groom me to take over the firm, that she was going to start her retirement plan and spend more time with her husband. And I nearly choked on the salad I was eating. I remember what I was eating and I remember this conversation like it was yesterday because I honestly didn't believe it was real. There were other employees that had been with her for years upon years. Her daughter worked for the firm, but not in a design capacity. And I never in a million years would have thought a 28-year-old girl would have been her pick. And I pushed back. I can't believe I pushed back, but I pushed back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think this is a good plan. We'll have to figure out something else. And she said, nope, this is the plan. You are ready. I'll make sure of it. I'm not disappearing. We're going to do this over time. And this is going to be great. And guys, I left literally floating. Well, maybe I wasn't floating that day. I think I was still in shock. But I think I floated home from work that day called my parents, told them what was going on. They too were like, what? Are you sure that's what she said? I mean, you got to love parents that would say that to me. Um, But yeah, we all were like, that's not happening. So if I'm going to gauge a high point of my confidence, it was in those following weeks. I mean, in my head, I was thinking through the business plan and the model and what we were going to do and what we weren't going to do and what direction we'd head in and what questions I had for Barbara and on and on and on. And just like that, Barbara's life turned upside down, and then it turned my life upside down. Barbara's husband had an accident, and tragically, he died. Unexpectedly, was in great health, and everything came to a screeching halt. It wasn't for another month or two where she took me aside and said, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I can no longer retire. And therefore, I need you to stay on as a senior designer. And again, don't think I remember most of the rest of that day, I was in such shock. I probably had a feeling that something was going to happen, but I obviously, until it happened, I wasn't 100% sure. And so I stayed on and did everything I could to support Barbara, to support the firm, to grow the business and basically stabilize everything because Barbara was in complete and utter shock. Fast forward a few months, I started having some friends of mine who I'd grown up with in Delaware, but were living in New York City, ask me to help design their apartments. And as all of the designers listening know, this isn't really a nights and weekends kind of industry. And especially then, there was no internet. So, you know, the D&D and 200 Lex, all of the design buildings, they closed at five. And my friends were working full time in New York City. And most of them were working big jobs. So they were working until seven, eight at night. And so I had to steal time from my work with Barbara in order to help these friends out. 
And I then said something to Barbara and she said, sure, you can help a few friends out, but don't, you know, obviously have it take away from the time you're spending on my projects. And I thought that was very big of her, frankly. She certainly didn't have to allow me to do that. But I also think she was worried that I was going to leave. And unfortunately, that is what happened. After months and months of sort of the straddled life of being back in my old position, which honestly felt like a demotion at that point, working part-time on my own and seeing possibilities, I said to myself, if you were ready to take over this firm, then you are ready to start your own. And so I did. I left Barbara's and frankly, she didn't believe me. When I told, I was completely open and honest with her. I said, I am going out on my own. I know you have the faith in me to run this firm. And so I hope you have the faith in me to run my own. And seriously, people, I had to go back in a couple months later for an insurance COBRA issue. And she said, okay, who are you working for? And I said, I swear, Barbara, I'm out on my own. I'm Devigne Design. I'm incorporated. And she's like, okay, well, when you can tell me the truth, let me know. She was just sure that I'd been snatched up by one of the other firms and that I'd be a competitor. And I assured her I was not working for the same level of clients and that I was absolutely no threat to her business. Long story short, I was straddling my life between New York and Delaware because Delaware friends started calling as well. And I moved home to Delaware in 2020. And I started working more jobs in Delaware than in New York. And boy, was that a mistake. So in New York, I was still helping my clients do renovation projects, built-ins, the works, because I had all of my trades, all of my connections were solid. They just now were working for me as opposed to with me through Barbara. I moved back to Delaware with the confidence that I didn't know I could achieve, frankly, at the age of 30. And I was met with one brick wall after another. The industry partners in my area had no interest in me until they needed furniture. They actually even said that, we'll call you when we need furniture. The clients I talked to were like, wait, what do you do? No, I've hired so-and-so, the contractor, to do that work, but I would really love for you to come and furnish it. And my confidence plummeted. I started questioning, maybe I don't really know what I'm doing because these contractors and architects were talking to me like I was some dolly decorator with a really nice hobby. And I couldn't get the work that I was used to, let alone even remotely close to the high standards I was used to working in. Now, I did know that. I'm not naive. I knew when I moved back to Delaware that the budget minimums weren't going to be at a quarter million dollars. I was you know, totally dialed in on that. But I couldn't even get the work at any price point that I was used to working in. And I then, like I said, started questioning and doubting my own skills because there was no one to support me in Delaware. There were other designers in town. They were mostly my mother's generation, so I knew a lot of them. And they didn't do construction work. The designers in New York felt like a million miles away because this was pre-internet people. So there were no people to support me. There were no design schools in my area. The closest one was in Philadelphia. And I felt like I lived on a desert island. I bought a house to kind of distract myself, a really amazing old Victorian built in the 1900s half house that I gutted. And that 
is what brought me back to life. Slowly, I met the local trades. I showed them that I knew what I was doing. I actually corrected a lot of substandard work along the way. I hired and fired guys on my house because I wasn't going to let them take advantage of me thinking, oh, she's just a 30-year-old girl. What does she know? And that's when people started seeing and hearing that I knew what I was doing on a renovation project because I really did gut it. And it was beautiful in the end. It was one of my finest projects and it was a fraction of the budget of the projects I worked in in New York, but it was mine and it was my test kitchen, so to speak. And that's when the clients started calling. Now, I hope you understood that. The clients started calling. It took the better part of a decade to slowly claw my way through all of the the doubts and negative thoughts that the industry partners had of me and my industry. Every bit of a decade. And my confidence stumbled over and over and over again during that decade. There were highs, like I just said. There were probably more lows than highs, but I like to look back and only see the highs. So what did that do to my business? It flatlined it. Uh, Let's be honest here. It flatlined it. I was being billed out, like I said, at $2.95 an hour in New York, and I knew darn well I couldn't charge that in Delaware. So I started asking around. My mom started asking around. And I was told most designers were charging around $75 to $100. So I thought, well, I've got some experience. Uh, Yeah, I had a lot of experience. And so I charged $100 an hour for a decade. That's sixty, a little more than 65% less than what the same person with the same skills was getting in New York City. Now, you may be saying to yourself, yes, Renee, but you know, obviously the budgets are this and the in New York and the budgets in Delaware are that. Yes, of course, I would never assume to be pricing that, but I was not pricing my worth. I was not billing for the skills that I had because I didn't have the confidence that I still had those skills. So that's crazy, right? It's like riding a bike and then you don't ride it for two years. I can get on a bike today and ride it, even though I haven't ridden one since I was on a beach vacation last summer. Same with your skills, people. And I want the designers to hear this. I really truly believe they don't understand that seasoned designers have had really, really down moments. And I had a down decade. And so for those of you who reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, Renee, you're so good at this. Yeah, but there were times that I didn't believe I was really good at this until I slowly rebuilt my confidence over those years. And the funny thing is, I actually was one of the few friends who was excited to turn 40. I kid you not, because I would see in the magazines, they would refer to seasoned designers in her 40s. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. Once I get to be in my 40s, I'm seasoned. Now, that's actually true. I was excited to turn 40, watching all of my friends, you know, be sad or full denial or in tears about it. And I was like, yes, I am finally seasoned. So the reason I wanted to talk the most about this today was not just because of our conversation with Rebecca last week, but a member of my course emailed me after listening to that interview and said, oh my gosh, Renee, I am laughing. Now, this woman is seasoned as well. She knows what she's doing on construction sites. 
She's got the chops and she's still in my course. And she said, I'm laughing listening to you, Renee, and thinking how lucky the newer designers are to have seasoned designers to listen to and hear that it's not all that we think it's going to be. And that's when I said, oh my gosh, I got to tell my story in greater detail. I know I've told this before in snippets in other episodes, but really I went from a senior designer being handed the keys to the kingdom to wondering if I knew what I was doing at all. And then slowly, and I mean again, slowly rebuilding that confidence one project at a time. And I'm sure many of you are wondering why I didn't move back to New York City. And I could have. Absolutely. I kept all those connections. In fact, I kept going to the D&D because it felt like home. I knew all the showroom managers. It was so nice to spend time around people who knew what I could do on a job. And I thought about it long and hard. But I have to admit, living in the burbs in a two-story home and the thought of going back to an apartment really did hang me up. And I had some itches I wanted to scratch. Earlier in my career, I had worked for Charlotte Moss, and if anyone had ever been to her store on Lexington in the 70s, ah, I still miss that store. I worked there for a while for her, and frankly, I think my entire paycheck went to product, which is still in my house, so right, good investment. And it was an itch I wanted to scratch because I just loved what she had done with it. So I opened a store. There was retail in the front that looked like a living room, but you could purchase everything. And I had my design studio in the back. And that lasted for four years. And frankly, halfway through, I thought, I'm going to get out of here. This isn't where I'm meant to be. And so I interviewed and got a job in Los Angeles, actually. Uh, One of my high school friends was living out there. I would go visit her and we were apartment hunting in Westwood. I was falling in love with lots of different places. And then I met my husband. So frankly, it's his fault that I still live in Delaware, but I think that's also for the best. But there are times where I wonder, hmm, the firm I was going to work for in Los Angeles had Hollywood stars on their roster. And so when I see them on TV, I think, hmm, I could have designed your house but I'm sure I made the right decision to stay in Delaware. Right, people? (laughs) Come on. But that's the thing. And that's why I wanted to share. I think everybody sees the highlight reels on Instagram. And Rebecca and I talked about that. It isn't all that it appears. And it still isn't all that it appears, people. If you're looking at my highlight reels, I'm happy to DM with you and tell you the horror stories behind the photos, because there usually is one or two or hopefully only one or two, but possibly more behind the scenes to get to that beautiful image that everyone's ooing and eyeing about. And so for the designers that are new or the designers that are lacking the confidence that they need, please invest in yourself. Listen to podcasts like this. Get in the courses you need. Attend the seminars you think will move you forward. Hire a coach if that's what you need. There is so much available. I would have killed people to have had these resources when I was out on my own, feeling like I was on a desert island. Seriously, this is something that you can do. It does not matter your income or your ability to invest, but invest what you can and move the ball forward. Because I look back on that 10 long years and think, what a fool. 
I just needed someone to remind me that I was at the top of my game in a different state, a mere two and a half hours away. What on earth does that distance have anything to do with my abilities on a job site or decorating projects? Well, we all know that that's zero. It was simply in my head and in my lack of confidence because I was somewhere I hadn't planned to be, right? I was going to take over this top firm. I had plans for it. I had everything lined up. My dreams were coming true until they weren't. So I had to reevaluate my dreams and build my own. I don't know where my life would be had I been able to follow the path that Barbara first offered me, but I can't live in that moment. I can only live in today and what I have done to this moment. And I couldn't be prouder of my client base. I couldn't be prouder of my work that I provide to not only my clients, but to my partners and my team that I work with day in and day out. And ultimately, this led me to this podcast and my coaching and my course. And those have become the most fulfilling aspects of my life that I never thought I would have. So you have tuned into these podcasts because you know, I know what I'm doing on a job site and you are worried or wondering or hoping to do the same on yours. So I'm hoping that you have heard something in my own story that you can relate to and realize that it is a temporary moment, a blip on the map, and to not stew in it the way I did. Now, frankly, I'm not sure I intentionally stewed in it. There just were no resources for me to lean on during those times where I was completely and utterly lacking confidence. So keep listening to this podcast. Find mores. There are so many designers who are wanting and willing to share their stories, their best practices, their strategies. Go find them and invest in them. And if managing your clients' renovation and construction projects are your goal, then stick around. Look at the course. Come join this VIP group. It is really amazing and dynamic the sharing and problem solving that we are taking on each call. So as always, feel free to reach out to me, shoot me an email, DM me on social, let me know your stories. Let me know if your confidence was shattered at any point or even challenged for goodness sakes. Mine hopefully is an extreme and I don't wish it on anyone, but I also want you to know that I am here today a few scars, maybe a few bumps and bruises along the way, but I am right where I want to be and you can be as well. So I can't thank you again for your time today. If you haven't listened to our conversation last week in episode 121, you must go back and listen to it. We talked about confidence briefly, but we talked about so much more. And as everyone knows, I was at high point and I didn't attend a lot of the seminars because I had other objectives for that trip. But the ones that I did attend, I walked away with amazing tips that never had occurred to me. Even after 30 years of doing this business, there's always something for all of us, seasoned and new, to learn. So again, invest in yourself. Take the time. 
build the skills, to build the confidence you need to be as successful as you want, whatever that looks like. That's it for today, but I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.